Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This year we are doing 1973 and I am your host for the 1973 season, Greg. Welcome to me. Uh, joining me, two random contestants, because you should know this right off the top, this is a game show. I will be awarding points for good arguments, funny jokes, or just things that agree with my personal position, because that makes me feel good. Joining me today to take on the movie Westworld is panelist number one, Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great, Greg, and I gotta say, just to get out there, I don't totally agree with before we started recording said that ron de sanctimonious did make some good points even though he's a weak cuck but sure uh-huh. i agree i think he's doing great stuff in florida and fuck big disney okay very good very good very good yeah we, we don't bow to the disney corporation here uh in labor actions or in politics screw those guys ryan you are also here with us if you had to pick between disney or meatball ron which way are you going Hi, Craig. My name is Ryan. I'm from Des Moines, Illinois. I have seven adorable stepchildren. And I, of <laughs> course, am always going to vote for a meatball, whether it's in a stew or in a White House. Now, meatball Ryan, stew. Meatball correct me stew. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, you're not the stepdad. You're the dad that stepped up seven times consecutively. Is that correct? Who rescued who? <laughs> <laughs> I found these seven adorable little tykes on the side of the road, and I picked up each and every one of them. Well, we are talking about 1973 this year, and this is the first of the movies we will be covering, Westworld. Let me ask you, right off the top, gentlemen, what is your history with Westworld, starting with you, Ryan? Now, do, the movie or the, like, being in the Old West? Because I have been to Knott's Berry Farm. <gasps> okay. Let's now, the Gravedigger has an actual Old West town that they like preserved and put into the park. Yes, but they also get very mad if you try to shoot and or sleep with their employees. <laughs> they yeah. are no Delos. <laughs> not my, not my experience. Um, they were fine when I tried to sleep with them. But they also, uh, one of the only places you can go to see accurate stunt shows like they had in the Old West. So I appreciate Nods for that. I've been to Calico Ghost Town. Uh, nice. some, something that very few people in California and nobody outside of California would know about. So um, Also, everyone I, that works at Knott's Berry Farm, they have the weird hands. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Show me your hands. <laughs> uh, and I would say that I am a, a bit of a protege um, at one particular instrument, and that's the no-player piano. Uh, uh. I, I can, yeah, I can do that one pretty good. So uh, Western worlds in general, uh, I would say that I'm well-equipped to talk about. L- little bit, little bit of a uh, controversy in the movie, whether it's called Westworld or Western World. <laughs> it's did did the line producer not show up all film, like just to make sure that that was consistently one. You of had the two one things. job. Also, think- sometimes it seems like Westworld is one word. Sometimes it seems like two words. It's Do you think the line producer movie. produces the lines of dialogue, and some of those lines of dialogue were incorrect? Line by line in the script, yes. Line the line, line producer. You and also what? getting all the actors all the cocaine. Yeah, a lot of coke. <laughs> the line producer. And making sure they don't leave it in the White House. Tragic story. Somebody accidentally left their cocaine in the White House, and you know they're not getting that back. You can't just call <coughs> in and be like... I just I? realized I Mike. went on a field trip. Yep. Yep. See? They, they uh, 
they left it in the in the cubbies. Mike, do you have any history with the movie Westworld? No. Okay. Was it like I, I could say more? Uh, I love Michael <laughs> Crichton. Yes, I, okay. I celebrate most of his amusement parks are evil work. We uh, should say Michael Crichton is a pop filter Hall of Famer. Now we're doing that segment later, Mike, so you might want to make an right. adjustment. Yeah, because he okay. actually is cross in the that pop out. Red Dot Tina Fey. Good job. Uh, is there a? I think there is a Hall of Shame. Has anybody been removed from? I don't want to let you guys know how I feel about this movie, but has anybody, for no reason at all, been removed from a Hall of Fame before? <laughs> no, uh, it is a procedure that can happen. You can propose in the in the induction ceremony. You can say, I don't have someone that I want to nominate. I want to have someone I want to nominate to take out. And we've had a couple, there are a couple people in there we've taken long looks at. There's no one who's been canceled or anything. There's just some people that who are like cringe. All right, I'm rewriting in? Tina Fey down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, She's right one up. of the ones, honestly. Like she, she was. Tina Fey endured a light canceling. Right off the bat, Greg, we know. Even though this is my first time meeting this panelist, and you said his name was Merck. Merck, it's Merck. Yeah, I'm Merck. Um, we know that he watched this movie with his wife because he did not like it, and therefore that's just the way that it works. <laughs> that is not true. That, that this is some weird, like big movie of the year lies that go on. That I like a movie if I watch it alone. I don't like it if I watch it with my lovely wife. Oh, she did facts. not watch oh, it. I'm just, I'm just asking questions. Is it wrong to just be out here asking questions? All right, Joe Rogan. I, you know what? I think it, technically I'm supposed to be the one asking questions. Wouldn't you say that's true, gentlemen? Yes. Good question, right. Greg. Yeah, good, good point, Greg. Good. Yeah, a, a wonderful point for all of us. Um, Mike, were you aware of Westworld in like the zeitgeist? Like, like, do you feel like there is entertainment that harkens back to it or references it? Oh yeah, well, like, so aware? I knew the, the poster. I probably yes, five six years ago couldn't have been like that's Westworld, but I knew the poster of Yule Brenner's uh, face robotically off and all that. And you knew the, the iconic off. line, "That's Westworld, baby." Right? That's Westworld, Where baby. Yule Brenner looks right at the camera and goes, "That's Westworld, baby." And you knew, that, you knew that the HBO show Euphoria was based on it. Yes. Uh, and based on how often Euphoria says these violent delights have violent mm-hmm. ends, I really thought that might be in this movie, and it did not at all. Uh, I historically and famously really hate Westworld, the TV show. And so yes. par You say it's too complicated the, and you couldn't, you couldn't figure it out. So yeah. You like it. I yeah. didn't get it. Yeah, I remember that. I thought they did a great job at saying how fucking young Jimmy Simps was like, I'm good, and now I'm not, based on one little moment. This makes total sense for my character. Really well done. But Lisa Joy is the delight, and I've interviewed her before, and I think she's creative and awesome. I just don't care for her work. <laughs> did you agree with uh, with Max removing it from their servers? Did you think that that was a, a just punishment? Yes. <laughs> No, I never agree on with Max on anything. So <laughs> support Zach Ryan, Ryan, is this one of the movies that you felt like you kind of um, were more aware of through the culture than actually had a personal history with? Sure, yeah, and I think that was the case for a lot of these movies that, like Soylent Green, for instance, which I don't think we're yes. covering in this season. But like, I uh, fuck man, spoiler alert, please. Where is Drop Pad with these spoiler alerts? Spoiler alert! Thank you. Um, You're welcome, Greg. But I had heard that Westworld. You know, a lot of the Charlton Heston <laughs> sci-fi movies, really, that like premise is interesting. You might get a glimpse into the time because of what they think about the future or the past, but yes. ultimately really boring. And Omega so Man, for sure. I had stayed away from this movie. Um, and the Michael Crichton of it all, I guess, did get me excited. But like, I, 
I think that there's I'm excited to do the show with you guys. I, I'm so happy to be asked to be a panelist. <laughs> um, and I think that there's a ton to dig into. But I read that this movie was cut from like over two hours to 90 yes. minutes. And I could easily give you another 30 or 40 minutes to cut in this movie. Well, let's take what Mike calls the quickest of breaks. And when we come back, get right into talking about why this movie disappointed us on many levels. Westworld is a lot of things. Cool, well-known, probably about 45 minutes too long. It tells the story of the eponymous Westworld. Go to hell, Roman world and medieval world. A place for adults to put on costumes and play cowboy with their friends. Maybe intercourse a few robo-ladies together like pals. As the Go-Go's tell us vacation, all I ever wanted. Vacation. Had to get away. But did they not also teach us vacation, meant to be spent all alone? Ominous. Conceived of after writer-director Michael Crichton looked at a Pirates of the Caribbean automaton that could raise and lower its hand and say, shiver me timbers, (laughs) and got all spooked thinking, my god, what is stopping this perfect machine from killing me? Writer-director Michael Crichton. Westworld is about an amusement park gone bonkers. The robots, whose job it is to get banged and murdered, freak out for some unexplained reason and start killing guests. One of these robots, played by Yul Brenner, kills Christian Bale, played by James Brolin, and then stalks 1973 superstar Richard Benjamin through the entire park. And if that sounds interesting, you're right. It sounds super interesting. Even now, I'm like, this movie must be interesting, right? Many are surprised to hear that Crichton not only wrote this movie, but directed it as well. Was having such an inexperienced director the greatest idea? Does it show at all in the movie, Mike? Uh... That having an inexperienced director was a great idea? Uh, Yeah. Do do we feel the fact that this movie is directed by a guy who had directed one made-for-TV movie before he directed this? It. I was going to say, I don't want to hurt the director because I don't know if the writing's that great, but in this case, (laughs) it's a real dig. It's just a double dig at Crichton. Yeah, the... You know what I I thought there'd be a lot more of? is uh, like long, boring uh, landscape shots because that feels like somebody's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but that'll feel arty. And I was like... You thought this... Oh, okay, so for you, for the record, you thought this movie needed more no, long, no, 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 shots. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, I, God, please, no, please, take I, that off the record. I thought there would be a lot of like, look at this mountain outside of California. Just stare at it okay. for a while. And there was... I just thought there would be more, and I was impressed by how little there was. <laughs> that is Because the, instead you got the nicest thing i can say about the direction in this movie because instead you got long shots of a hallway there was long shots of hallway and hey greg sometimes you heard a and i thought a robot would be playing the biggest vibra slap you'd ever heard during those hallway scenes because it rattled my teeth ryan how did you how did you like feel Crichton did as a director in this movie look uh, the budget was legendarily low. Um, it was a TV movie budget, and we can see that. The, what it felt like for most of it, and I would say this is a tale of two movies. Um, the first half is far more interesting because it's set up and stuff that like a novelist likes to do because they're little bitches. And then when it comes time in the back half to make movies where you have to do stuff, that's when it all falls apart. But I was like into it for the just learning about the land and the people. But... The thing that it reminded me of the most watching is potential movie of the year for 1974, not Godfather Part 2, not Badlands, but Blazing Saddles, where at the end, the cowboys just leave the set of uh-huh. the Western, and they're on a bunch of different <laughs> sets, and it felt like they, were, they weren't 
making a movie, they were children who snuck on to mm-hmm. all of these different sets and like let's film this as fast as possible so we don't get caught uh funny you should mention that ryan because blazing saddles and westworld western world as some people call it uh use a lot of the same sets yeah there's a lot of it's just get- like generic hollywood western and it looked shitty i think the three of us <laughs> could come up with better looking old-timey western we would break into knots at at this time 1973 part of the pitch for any sci-fi movie though was and this is how we're going to make it as cheap right, as right. possible so we can use this and over here yeah. in the corner of the studio and we can use this back lot and we can use this like it but all of that is saving so much money i think that's where a a more experienced director would come in and be like and here's how i'm going to make it not look like summer stage that- well but that's the thing that's confusing about the movie because some of it is supposed to Look, it's like supposed to be nostalgic and look like old stuff. And I want to specifically focus and on dumb and cliche, right? right. Dumb like and cliche. was like going for cliche. The there's a bar fight about halfway through this movie, right? Where every single thing that has ever happened in a Western bar fight happens, the, and that's awesome, right? And we we see that Crichton is like uh, observant, and he he he's done his research, mm-hmm. and he knows what to include. The problem is that when you include every trope ever that's ever happened back to back to back to back to back, it's 17 minutes long. <laughs> yes. And for some reason, it feels like he found out that you could do slow motion. So now it's 24 <laughs> minutes long because of all the slow motion that's happening. Yeah, that's like it, it's the 70s, right? And that's a cheap effect to do. And so it's just like every action shot needs to be super slowed down. Even if it's just watching a body twist in the mm-hmm. air for a while, and it was so you, to the point where you can be like, "That's not a real body anymore," and it's just a crash <laughs> so test dummy. That's Al Bundy's body that they're <laughs> yes. throwing off the second story. <laughs> Bud Bundy. Um, okay, so that's that's him as a director. But now let's like focus on him as a, a writer and a creative personality. Um, it's obviously very technophobic. What? What is it about technology that, that scares Crichton? How does this movie engage with technology and how it might potentially do us harm? I think, in defense of the Crichton, Pop Filter Hall of Famer, his stuff is, I think at face value, is like, technology's bad, ooh. But I think his point is, I know you howdy doodads are scared of technology. What he's, he's the walking dead is people, is what I think Crichton is always trying to say. Jurassic Park I- didn't fuck up because of technology. It fucked up because of the hubris of people. Westworld didn't fuck up technology. It's because one guy's like, there, a computer virus is a thing. And somebody went, a computer can't catch a cold, you dumb bastard. <laughs> Shove that murderous robot in with better vision that he'll never really need. Yeah, I, I thought that they, like this seemed, as far as this thing goes, which is like the kind of the only thing I knew about the movie, right? Is that robots bad. Robots yeah. bad. Um, that, like, I thought that it would be overwhelming. And it's not. It's not there. It's, uh, I totally agree with Mike. It's that uh, humans will always make the decisions that will make you the most money in the short term and make sure the classes are separated. Right. And I think that the capitalist thing is very much there. The class warfare thing I think is there, but Crichton's less concerned about it or it's more on his sleeve. The capitalism thing is fucking there. Yeah, it's That's what this movie's about. Yeah, and and maybe I don't know if this is after watching this movie and I know Crichton's a smart guy. I've read his book. Okay. But it, watching this movie it feels like it's too smart to say that he's definitely cannot untangle class and capitalism. Maybe he's saying capitalism crushes us all under the boot equally, but the rich folks who are spending a thousand dollars a day, and that's in 1973 money, guys. $1,000 a day. That's crazy. Anybody do that math? For what that is. Yeah. I mean, they. Over a week, it's $7,000. Yeah. Oh, Holy shit, shit Greg. Right. Human calculator. 
I guess one of the one of the major messages I got over overriding some of these even was um, that we are entering. I think that he saw in '73, and I think we're going to see this a lot in the movies that we were entering into a time where the 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 veil had fallen from a lot of people's eyes and they saw how bad the world mm. really was that like America was not the good guys. Our government was not the good guys and that people had decided right around that time, you know, I don't, this truth thing is not for me. Right. So what I want is I want the fantasy instead. Right. And so, and what that does is it turns us into children. And so all the adults in this movie are turned into basically like, like the jackass kids from, Pinocchio, Jackass Island kids, like they're all. Bam! Hey, I'm like Pinocchio. Johnny, this is Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because they don't want reality, they don't even want the reality of the West. They want the fiction right. based on the fictions that they had when they were kids, because they want a nice blanket that they pull uh, up to their chin. It's, it's, and this came in many forms. One of them is movies, but also drugs, booze, mm-hmm. whatever they needed to like uh, remain blue pilled. Am yeah. I getting that color right? Yeah, you want to stay blue-pilled. Right, instead of like actually facing the truth. Yeah, but you want to be in the machine still. But for some reason, not blaming or not caring to blame the corporation. Mm-mm. You know? And uh, I did the math. It's $7,000 a day Whoa. if this was 2022. Which is like, Whoa. that's like a Disney cruise. That's like right? a fifth of my paycheck. That's the Star Wars cruise. That's crazy. I mean, th- th- that's like the most analogous thing right to to what we have now is that disney cruise that just went under and the movie kind of even deals with that because at first uh the the new guy doesn't want to like do it right he's like i feel embarrassed and i think that that's what did that cruise in was that people don't really actually want to go around being in character that no we we've talked about on this show how with multiple movies how the the corporations whatever they are the man right the who is always the worst bad guy over the monster. Your David Zaslavs. Uh, your David Zaslavs yes. is always like, uh, well, no, I don't want to panic. We can't tell anybody because I don't want them to panic. Right. But really, it's I don't want to lose money. Uh, Jaws uh, with the, the mayor. holiday weekend. Um, yeah. Aliens with Paul Reiser. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing is these monsters would have been, like, on their own. They would have been fine. Or we would have figured out a way to handle it if we decided to put human life over money. That's the point. But, Ryan, that's not and fair because money votes so much stronger than humans. So, <laughs> And true. also, we have, like, surrendered ourselves to machinery. Like, the, 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 I, the idea of the scientists locking themselves into their room accidentally and then dying uh-huh. because there's no technology to just provide them with, like, oxygen. Or, they or a doorknob. Yeah, like, they don't have the doorknob anymore because they've become so reliant on the machine that when it shuts down, it kills them, if not actively, like the the gunslinger then it kills them passively because they just don't know how to function anymore because they have like surrendered themselves and become just another cog that was definitely a part of the movie where message uh mattered to creighton over logic or good movie making or or he also didn't really explain it to the audience that's just like yes (laughs) it's weird in a movie where there's so many good ideas and then there's so much empty space. It's weird that he didn't spend more time developing and explaining his really good ideas. It's like he thought that that would be he thought it would be more artistic to underexplain things, but not he didn't do it in an artistic way. He just left it unexplained. Who who is a successful novelist that became a great filmmaker? Jesus? Stephen King made maximum. Well, oh shit, there is Jesus who wrote the book, 
But uh, <laughs> Stephen King made Maximum Overdrive, yeah. that movie where the Green Goblin truck comes to life. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it seems like the two things couldn't be more antithetical. Right. A writer is essentially a pervert who locks themselves in a room and scribbles on paper while nobody else is around. And a director has to be a person of the people, go out into a huge group of people and unite them in, in common cause. There's just so many uh, ways for a novelist to utilize all of their ideas, right? It's such a different form it's of so art. Internal. That, like, and wh- whatever I think of, I can put in as long mm-hmm. as I can make it match. Because I've got, I have a thousand pages if I want. Right. You know, and what this feels like is all the ideas, put them all together. Now uh, strip out at random, you know, whether it's because of budget or this theme's yeah. not working anymore. And then ne- what we're left with is the stuff where we can see all of the potential, mm-hmm. but none of the execution. I, I mean, I will say, I will take this movie a million times. If it takes him realizing, hey, I rewrote Westworld, Stevie Spielbs, do you want to give this a try? Then, cool. What then we, we learned was, our lesson. What if instead of someone who had never made a movie, I got the greatest director <laughs> of all time? Would that make it better? And you know what's cooler than Cowboys? Something else Ice young cold. Mike was obsessed with. Fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> when we... <laughs> When we come back, we are building a Rushmore to TV. Rushmore. Rushmore. It's a wonderful mountain that fell from the heavens with the heads of the four presidents on them. The only four presidents this country has ever had. But it's been mandated we must forget the original four presidents to make way for the TV stars and shows of 1973 is it true greg that the mountain landed without heads and then all the heads landed on different bodies and they noticed and they rolled to the correct bodies mm-hmm. yeah that is true let's not leave that's that out true. of the story that's an important part i i had that written down here and then i left it out of the story that's that's a that's a big shame but um i'll go back in post and make it be that i remember that you're saying anything yeah <laughs> i mean it's your it's your right as a host I think that's important. In like how there are um, four presidents, I feel like in 1973 there was just like four channels. Is that is that weird? Do we know how many channels there were? There was less than three. There was three. Three channels. So like you go home at night and you have to choose one of three things to watch. You're like, let's. Uh, I'm gonna channel flip. One, two, three. Nope. One, and two, if, three. If you don't make your decision fast enough, it'll you'll just get for the rest of the night. Oh, jeez. So I guess a lot of people would probably watch one channel and then just DVR the other two, do you think? Oh, Greg, Greg, Greg. Oh, Greggy. What? Greggy boy. Bud. What, guys? <laughs> no. You're scaring the heck out of me. Uh, so, obviously, TV was huge in 73. But what were the biggest shows and what belongs on this mountain? Gentlemen, would you lay it on me? Let's start with randomly going to Ryan. Um... This was a uh, quite a time where we were learning that maybe the um, I don't know the nothing happens of I love Lucy and make room for Daddy and all those shows. Maybe we needed some messages. It wasn't serialized. We had almost no serialized TV at this time. And when I say we, I mean I had just turned thirty, so this is I was super <laughs> into watching TV. It's all you wanted, and people kept being like, what does that even mean, serialized television? Yeah, they had no idea. Because um, the idea was, like, you know, if you were there, you could check out an episode, but you might, you know, there was no way to, to record it or to stop it, so you had to you might be watching your audience. one of other two channels. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I mean, like, this was when they were just so blatant about the fact that uh, TV shows exist as holders for commercials. Right. Like, thank yeah. you for watching this content around the commercials. We don't really care what it is. Um, the fact that at some point you could go on and make eight episodes of a serialized show with no commercials, that would have seemed insane back then and seems insane now. And that's why everyone's on strike. Uh, and just so we're all on the same page, for something to be serialized means you've added little um, little marshmallows to it, right? Yeah. Well, no, because that means that hot cocoa would be serialized. So It is. Oh. Hot cocoa Each is cup of, of hot cereals. cocoa builds on the previous cup you've had before. <laughs> God, every time I finish a cup of hot cocoa, I'm like, to be continued. Oh, <laughs> oh I just binge. I had a rough Saturday last weekend. <laughs> oh, there's nothing. That does not resolve that at all. <laughs> nothing like a Saturday night of fucking chugging, piping hot, hot cocoa. Um, hot is part of the title of hot cocoa, right? If it's mm -hmm. hot, hot cocoa, you have to say hot twice. I'm going. So the point, my point is, is that although we didn't have serialized, we started having message shows. Um, this is a character who famously got an abortion and talked about it on television. Um, but in 1973, in I believe the show's first season, uh, dealt with alcoholism in a serious way for the first time on TV, and that is uh, a show that I would not give a B plus nor a B minus. I would give it a B Arthur on Maud. <laughs> Maud, naughty Maudie, naughty Maudie. <laughs> Uh, a big, uh, like a progressive comedy. Yes. Um, she. This is a spinoff of another show we might talk about. Yeah, uh, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> I don't want to step on Mike's shit. Uh, a show that I should have brought up first and then Mike could have brought up on. Uh, but yes, this is uh, like, this. The I'm going to spin off and I'm going to talk about even more serious shit than the original show. Um, you know, like single woman just, and like she was, her character was very, outspoken and progressive and i don't know why women are you know under the thumb of men saying crazy things like that and b arthur is a great choice for that yes all right and right on the old mountain b arthur and mod i mean we're gonna do b arthur's head right like there's yeah. just no yeah there's no two ways about it mike this Ladies show on was spinning off of something <laughs> ryan alluded to this show and it wasn't its third season, but at this point, so many shows on TV existed because they were spinning out of All in the Family. This was the the crown jewel in Norman Lear's TV. I wonder Empire. if we should have just put Norman Lear on. You know and, what, Mike? It's your turn. You go. Well, maybe we'll do like a kind of translucent glass fifth head looming behind all the other heads, leering at them. Oh, leering. <laughs> uh, it's Carol O'Connor as Archie Bunker should be the head. And maybe I'm cart beforeing the horse here, but it changed comedy. It was funny and had messages. It changed comedy because suddenly there were 30 new sitcoms based off of this one because characters would go on this one to have their own show. And not even always comedy. Sometimes they'd be like, we're going to be a very dramatic show. Wait, I feel like in, in 73, the idea was you should call out racism. Yeah. And like misogyny, but like, there was no hope in getting away from it. Mm -hmm. That like the most you could do is poke fun at it, but it was like a fact of life. Right. It, the, the thing about watching it too, because I went back a little. It's hard to find on streaming, but I watched some of it because it's so legendary, mm -hmm. and it is really surreal to watch the show and have Carol O'Connor say awful things and have the audience laugh with him and at him at the exact same time. Right. Yeah. And that's it's. I understand why saying it was a different time is a bullshit. Oh, out, they could never make the show this day. <laughs> to, 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 to day. 
it, it is it, like I'm sure Norman Lear is a genius and he's not an edgelord because that didn't exist for decades, but truly because Meathead, Rob Schneider, like he, not Rob Schneider, uh, <laughs> Rob <laughs> Thomas like, from Matchbox Rob, Rob Thomas, it, it's a hot one. Uh, he was making fun of everybody, and it's so. This is why I don't. I think South Park does not age well, is because they're like, oh, Cartman is Archie Bunker as a third grader, but they're like, we're making fun of everybody, man. I'm an equal opportunity hater. Yeah, and I think that was cutting edge and smart and savvy in 1973, and maybe not all those words in the 2000s. I can't imagine watching I, this with your parents. So, like, if you're a boomer. Right. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, if you're a younger boomer, it's possible that you were watching this with your parents. And no, they were, they were probably all laughing at only the racist well, shit. Like, let's be honest. And their parents were the silent generation. So you have they no never idea laughed. your parents that they did. Their arms are crossed. And you go, I wonder what daddy feels right now. That was the weird thing about those jokes, though, right? Everybody got to approach them and laugh at them in their own private way. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you either got to laugh at the racism or laugh at the racist. And you didn't have to, like, really declare which it was and i think that like that's i guess is that that's part of the monoculture right if there's only one show for everybody mm-hmm. then it's got to deliver to everybody and it's got to give them different like lenses through which they can interpret it on their own i guess we have and that I today ha- it's a uh, dave Chappelle hour-long stand-ups <laughs> you decide how and when you laugh well definitely up on the mountain only two spots left ryan what do you think should go in one of those uh, spots? I want to do something unprecedented, Greg. <gasps> a president? Uh, no, that's so... <laughs> one of the presidents <laughs> of the United States of America. That could not be more precedented, Mike. Um, I'm not going to name a show <laughs> or an actor. I'm going to say this should be on the mountain. Bump up, wana. Bump up, wana, wana, Bump up, wana. The theme song for Sanford and Son is the most legendary thing to come out of the televisions at this time. Yeah. <laughs> that is funky. I love it, and I love the, the moxie. Uh, because, yeah, that is sort of bigger than the show itself. Um, I'm going to put it on the maybe pile, but maybe that's just a ploy to make Mike not complain. <laughs> I won't complain Mike- ever. <laughs> Good one, Mike. That's a point for you because it's hilarious. Um, uh, what? What do you think should go on the mountain? Uh, in 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 the spirit of the movie we're talking about tonight, Michael Crichton was like, maybe technology is bad because people are bad and they'll use it poorly. And other people are like, you know what we should do? Throw six million dollars in this fucked up guy who yeah. had an accident and make him even stronger, and he can run like. Is that more of that robot music you were talking about earlier? Yeah. The vibraphone vibra slap. You can feel it in your balls and taint. It's the I, $6 million man. I feel like it is hard for a modern audience to connect with what a big deal this must have been. Mm-hmm. They released three movies on TV because I really think this was a time where they were like, what's the difference even? Pretty soon all movies are going to be on TV. But they're like, is a difference? <laughs> uh, but they were like, pretty soon there's not going to be a difference. But they released three movies to like announce this. And that's what came out in 73, actually. Three made-for-TV movies. That must have felt like the biggest thing in the world. And, of course, tons of toys. Right. Um, all the toys. And like just a huge footprint for it. That must have been a, a, an intense undertaking. That footprint alone is like $3 million. All right, let's go to a sort of a, a sort of lightning round type situation here. I'm putting that on the maybe pile, but again, I'm putting it on the, like sort of near the top of the maybe mm. pile. Like, wow, piles are piles. M- maybe it's just a matter of time before these guys 
get on the mountain. Ryan, give me a quick hitter. Uh, this is also the time where uh, the 70s were trying to, or the TV of the 70s was trying to figure out, like, what the fuck is happening with all this exploitation shit? And Could we do that? <laughs> Could we exploit some people? Yeah, this is not the highest ratings. Uh, Kung Fu with Kane was not the highest rated oh. show. Uh, it was not close to the top four, but it was like, is TV catching on? Sure, let's make a white dude be the master of all of the Kung Fu, but... Uh, it showed growth, and it showed that these things could be popular. And, like, that is, for if you look at the ratings at the time compared to now, that is a iconic character. who has, like, You know, there's catchphrases from that show that are still used today. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was a big show. And it's a little inside baseball, Ryan, because the, the Quentin Tarantino pipeline, yeah. like, that becomes yes. so big. So it's one of those things that is, it was big in its own time, but it also has, like, big recovery score. Uh, thanks to the, I mean, he, the QT effect. He cast Kane as Bill, the Bill that needs to be killed. So, I like those movies, you guys. Are Kills we supposed to not? Like, uh, no, I was just being wistful uh, and thinking okay. about them. Yeah, because like uh, so much of watching stuff from 73 specifically makes me think of Kill Bill. I know it like influenced a lot of Quentin Tarantino's movies, but like doing my tour of 73 has been like watching that movie <laughs> like a lot you know the different scenes of it across a bunch of different movies and so it's just been kind of kind of nice mike do you have a, a quick hitter only in 1973 oh should we not do build-ups for quick hitters only in 1973 um, this is actually adding to the build-up okay yeah. good could a uh closeted homosexual spinoff character from bewitched get his own show it did not do well but it lasted for one season and not only did he love trash in 1973 <laughs> as Templeton rat Paul Lind had his own variety show, and I love me some Paul Lind, so I could not let this pass without talking That's about adorable. him. That's adorable. I love that. Ryan, do you have any other that, that, that simply has to be mentioned? Yeah, one more. Uh, I would say, like, uh, queen of television. This is her uh, second or third at this point. Classic, like, all-time top 100 sitcom uh, was the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, oh, this yeah. had four spinoffs, I want to say. Three mm-hmm. comedies and a drama they spun Ooh. off a drama from a sitcom, which I don't know if that's happened since. Uh, but yeah, Mary Tyler Moore's head should be on this mountain. Yeah. Did we sort of lose the ability to spin off successfully? I remember Friends tried to like become a million different shows, and the 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 public just said no, thank mm. you. We have Better Call Saul, I think, is yeah our only claim. Some argue oh, yeah, better than Breaking yeah. Bad. All right, so I am looking at the maybe's now. On my maybe pile, I have the Sanford and Son song. Burn it, burn it. Yeah. Uh, the Six Million Dollar Man. Chung <laughs> Fu. <laughs> Sorry about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just like on a roll. Yeah, you got too, you got too into it, dude. You got lost in the sauce. Um, what does this say, Paul? Paul Lynn Show. Ah, yeah, Paul Lynn Show. Trash. And then Mary Tyler Moore. And I think I am going to go with... I just love the Sanford and Son theme song. I can't... The logic of that just works so well. And then I'm going to go $6 million man. So basically, I just went with the first four entries that I heard, which is what we call doing it Greg style. <laughs> and that means that our mountain is B. Arthur from Mod spinning off of All in the Family, which has got to be... We got to be the, the guy, right? The Archie. racist in chief? Yeah, yeah Archie. Uh, and then... Uh, I guess like a musical note for the Sanford and Son song. Yeah. Uh, and then $6 million mountain. Just in a stack. That is your mountain of 1973 television. When we come back, we return to talking about Westworld. Oh. Despite being a robot movie, 
Westworld is first and foremost a Western. And what do we always have to ask when discussing Westerns? What is this movie's view on masculinity? And I bring this up in part because we are going to be talking about gender in 73, even more than we were talking about gender in 75. It feels like 73 comes 10 years before 1975. I think this movie is the least offensive but how does it do, and on, on, specifically on how it, on it projects its image of masculinity, Ryan? Oh, I think that this is, like, I thought this was a technophobic movie. Turns out it's a anti-capitalist movie. But it is absolutely, over all of that, whether it's on purpose or not, an exploration of gender and masculinity. I think that, Greg, you had said in the previous segment that um, we're too scared of the real world and we just want to turn to children. But I think that is so much easier to argue for men who are just like no give me give me give me the fakeness and give me what i think not what men should be what a lifetime of movies have taught me that men should be where i can literally go be in a movie and i could not believe in the much better first half than the not great second half in the much better first half where uh peter richard benjamin was like i don't know man I, i i need a vacation but I'm so sad about my wife and child that left me. <laughs> and uh, Josh Christian Bale Brolin, or James, James Christian Bale Brolin James was like, Ryan. forget about those fucking bitches, bro. We're going to go hang out with robots. That's how you be. A- it's not to worry about your kid and your wife. It's we're going to go fuck and kill bots. And it's so funny that he is playing a kid. Everybody else is like awkward and human on their train, on their hovercrafts. Excuse me. And yes. then gets into the role and they all feel weird about it. He is playing a character who's about to play a character before the minute. Like, I'm too cool. I don't even need to watch the emergency exit video. <laughs> like, he's already performed what he thinks masculinity should be from the oh, minute yeah. we meet him. And yeah, I think you could argue that James Brolin, his character, uh, isn't even excited about Westworld. It's, he's excited about bringing someone else to West, a oh, rookie yeah. to Westworld. So he gets to show him the quote-unquote ropes. It's I not, get to look cool. Yeah, and it's show not, this pussy. What's <laughs> exactly. Up? It's not to like uh, do all the fucking and fighting. It's to be above someone on the cool hierarchy. And, and Brolin, you don't have to worry about that, man. Richard Benjamin, you're always going to be above hit Richard Benjamin on the cool hierarchy. Can I just say I don't know if the, I don't know if any of the other Richard Benjamin movies made it. I love him. I have never encountered this guy before in my life. This actor. See, I think if he, you watch more '80s and '90s TV, you would not. Oh, okay. He's just a bad oh, I guy. Oh, he just play. He plays a bad guy and everything. He's always he's a douche. Yeah. Oh, he's just so twee and fun, and I don't know if he's supposed to be like queer coded, but so like something about that big mustache and maybe his slight frame, like. He's Spe- just so adorable and nice. Speaking of that, you know, he he reminded me of, like, in the eyes and the nose, kind of. Not as much as uh, James looks like Christian Bale, but he reminded me of Drew Tarver a little bit. Really? Ooh. Yeah. Who is that? That's the, uh, the male star two? of the other two. Oh, okay. He reminded um, me of uh, Timothy Obinson, the, like, antagonist oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from Psych. I kept being like, he's not, Timothy's not that old, right? This can't be <laughs> the same fucking guy. That was Lucifer's he- dad, right? Was it God? Yeah, he played God. No, <laughs> that's the Allstate guy. <laughs> um, Greg, I noticed, take control. I noticed that even though he says he does not, that James Brolin's character says he did not pick the gun that ties onto the leg, when they show the two of them walking down the street, that is totally the holster <laughs> that he picked. 
I think that that's part of the point of the movie is that that he is playing a role even before he gets there. Right. right? That he's like so already trying to project that that masculinity. Part of that and, first half buildup, that world setup, is like we're going to the old west and we're so careful. They, the company, is so careful about the details, mm-hmm. but check this part out in order to be a real man you will never be in danger every girl will always want you yeah if there's if everything goes correctly which of course it wouldn't but they don't know that yet then it's you're being a real man with all of the like things provided to you for the low low cost of all of your money that's what this corporate being a man is the only look askance we get about anything is in the commercial that Delos airs before the movie. Delos decided to air it, not Michael Crichton. Decided <laughs> uh, is the woman who's talking about Roman world. Oh yeah, is talking about and the men, and so a woman is talking about sexuality and getting railed, and so well, the host is like, okay. There's a part on the train too where on the train they bring up Roman world, and uh-huh. the wife like touches her chest and like pats her hair, and the gentleman. Her husband looks over and is like, "What the fuck? Wait, she's gonna she wants to get like have sex where it's pleasurable for her? This is this is unacceptable." Boom! And what then, a fantasy. And then human women kind of depart the movie for the rest of the time. Yeah. The movie is well, just left. The, you're just you're not going to Westworld. You're going to a different. You're going to probably Roman, if not yeah. medieval. You're not going to Westworld if you're a woman. Yeah, that's like that's just for the boys. It's like right. a, a boy's place. Um. The in by seventy three, the idea of the revisionist Western had been pretty like um, established already. But it is a kind of marked year for one of the the big revisionist westerns, which is High Plains Drifter, which I feel like kind of talks about the same sort of weird view, like what would be the realistic view of these types of people uh, versus like the fake world that we get from Westworld. Where does this movie fit in into like the revisionist Western? category ryan do you think that there's a place for it there oh for sure i mean like when it's fun it's fun because movies are fun like i think that's like one of its biggest targets are movies you know uh, i love movies but we yeah. only love them because they're not dangerous and we don't want to be cowboys we want to be stars that get mm. to act in cowboy movies because this isn't really about theme parks right this is about movies right exactly yeah. i high plains drifter is going back to the last segment talking about archie bunker is is complicated because it makes you think about Westerns if that's what you're prone to, but it also makes you root for evil, evil shit if that's what you're prone to. You know, yeah. like, all of a sudden you're saying, like, yeah, Clint Eastwood raped that woman if that's your predilection. Um, this one, I think, is different because they they get into the Western, and Joel Brenner, in his first two appearances, just gets fucked up immediately. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. it, it's hilarious how he walks in, is tough, and Richard Benjamin, of all people, just blows him away. In his in Yo Brenner's third appearance, uh, he shoots James Brolin, and Brolin's like, uh, "I'm what the fuck? I'm shot? I'm oh, fucking shot? <laughs> this Showing is bullshit." James Brolin was Yo Brennering it up that whole time, exactly just acting the tough and playing that role because the robots can do the thing. The robots are you know more human than human or whatever you want to say. Ooh, they, Dracula. <laughs> that's that's our uh, Rob Thomas. From also, White also, Zombie also, reference, also Blade Runner, right? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Like, there's so much of Blade Runner in this movie that um, we can talk about in a second. But uh, James Brolin's shock that like real stuff, and this happens, I think, with the snake before that. Of uh-huh. like, what the fuck, man? I wanted to be pampered and taken yeah. care of so that I could act like a man, so I could make fun of my friend who's saying, "Why aren't we actually being pampered and taken care of?" Right? Oh, you little bitch. 
I love that. Yeah, and he acts like such a child when he gets bitten, right? He's like, ow! Yeah. <laughs> well, to be no. fair, he got real bit there. The actor did. Oh, really? Yeah, he had an arm thing made, and the, like, so it was like a, a puppet until it wasn't. But it was and the they had arm. A, they had an arm case made, and then it bit right through the arm case and really wow. bit the actor. Wait, it got uh, bit, but it got bit by a puppet? That seems like not that big of a deal. Well, they put real poison teeth on that puppet, Ryan. <laughs> See, <laughs> I know that this movie and this world is so, like, detail is so important, but that seems like going a step too far. It's the levels of hyper-reality, Ryan, mm-hmm. that are so important. Like, what is real? What is not real? Well, I, I Ryan, think you brought... Oh, go, Mike. I was going to talk going to the revisionist Western of it all. It, the, the, and this could be peering too hard at it to make something shake out. Is because the whole movie is like, ooh, the gunslinger's the bad guy. Yule Brenner's the bad guy. Because he's wearing all black and is fighting our protagonists. But they go from being quote-unquote heroes until they are blowing up their way out of jail and running and being like, we can do whatever we want. And so I think it's showing that the like the moral relativism of westerns and the West. Yeah, and uh, it's sort of like how there's that thing of like uh, you know if you're with a good guy uh, watching how he treats servers at restaurants. Yes, um, that whole thing comes into play too. And I was mostly rooting for Brolin and uh, Dicky Benj for the most of the movie, but the guy who we follow in medieval times, uh-huh. uh, fuck that. Oh, I hope that oh, black yeah. guy comes out and fucking destroys him because that guy's a piece of shit and i'm not rooting for the humans anymore you know that's the whole point of that guy right like the whole reason that guy is attached to the movie is just so that we can have one human that we're like nah he should die yeah well, it's also funny because and this is how westworld got me the way it gets the people is i thought the queen was his wife yeah uh-huh. and then i was like wait she was a robot and i was like ah ha ha movie <laughs> <laughs> okay that was for you that was pretty good that was pretty good one thing that was interesting to me, Ryan, was um, it feels like this movie by casting Ewell Brenner, and we're going to talk about Ewell Brenner in, it, uh, in, the, in a, a couple segments to really get into him in this, but uh, by casting him and having him appointed, dressed in the way uh, his character Chris was uh, in Magnificent Seven seems to point directly to that movie, right? And Which was pi- itself a revisionist Western, like, or the start of it, you know? Yeah, that's what I, I find. Like the more you look into revisionist westerns, the more you end up going backwards in time. Until yeah. you're like, keep going. No, it's even earlier than this, and you start getting into seriously like silent films. So and immediately it's, it's, they're like, westerns are bullshit. And like it, it what's what I find so strange about it is that you could put the revisionist word, that word revisionist, in front of any genre and research it and study it, and we don't. For some reason, the yeah. term revisionist western is so prevalent. And I think it's because a lot of guilt about how America was made and the mm, heroes that we yes. worship, you know, and how uh, there's the thing where we have to look back on it. And that is like that is totally true. If you take a revisionist Western class, you're going to watch a silent movie. Like the second Western ever made was commenting on the first Western ever knew. made. What is yeah. oh, man? What a big middle finger to that first movie. But like the Magnificent Seven, <laughs> if, if you're watching The Wild Bunch or if you're watching uh, God Forbid Unforgiven, uh, the Magnificent Seven seems like. A shitty fucking go America, go white right. people. It Western. seems like the movie that's being revised, right? That right. seems like the the yeah. Uh, but and yeah. in many ways, that's kind of true. Like, I mean, it's still it's like a revision, but it's not fully. <laughs> the legend hasn't been fully revised yet. Exactly, but if you look at those characters and you say, if you put all the characters of the Magnificent Seven, all seven of them, if you put John Wayne's head on them, then you're like, oh, then this would just be black and white. John yes. Wayne would be the seven heroes. But because of these characters, now we're starting to think, like, were these good guys at all ever? Like, did they ever make one cool decision? Was there one single good one ever one time? (laughs) (laughs) 
We are going to take what Mike has called the quickest of breaks, and when we return, move on to something different entirely. the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Ah, yes. Really, really breathing in, guys. Have, uh, have these holes become more hallowed since last oh time man, we were here? Yeah, dude. There's definitely, I don't know if they're using a new hallowing agent. Yeah, it's got to be something. This is, there's just a sparkle and a freshness. This is the most hallowed I've ever seen these halls. I miss the must. It's a, yeah, and I, I think it's it, it's because they asked that guy to start standing outside the Welcome to the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. I mean, it was an awkward thing, you know? Could you not stand inside but instead stand outside in the hot weather? But <laughs> that guy was de-hallowing everything. Yeah. Do you know what I love about the Hall of Fame is that it, uh, they hired a bunch of people to take uh, jars into old churches Trap all yes. that smell and then bring it into the Hall of Fame. And I think that's where the hallowed smell is. There's old pews. Not pew, yeah, like and that's pew. Why there's, that's why there's so many jars in here, by the way. A lot of people are, like, weirded out by that. But, nope, it's just but full of pew smell. It's just pew smell, but also it is, like, th- some of these halls are so long. Use a jar for pee. Don't don't get a kidney stone. Don't. Oh, okay, it. so yeah. Mike might be using jars differently than everybody else. Okay, that's why. That's probably why people are so freaked out by the yeah, jars. I think it's because some of them have Mike's pee. I don't know if the halls you are that tell long. They're my pee. Because it has that slightly blood red color. Whose argument for peeing in jars in a public institution is, well, these halls are so long. They're, They're so, so long. long. <laughs> Why would you not? How how much longer would they have to be for you just to take a dookie in one of these jars, Mike? If you have uh, long halls and empty jars, it's an attractive <laughs> nuisance. It's just it's clear what you want. Happen. You're asking for it. Does the audience know that all three of us are trying to think of nominees for the Hall of Fame right now? <laughs> <And> that's, <laughs> that's the Mike. Up. Let's Shit. go to you and do not say pee-filled jars just because. But they mean so much to all of us. <laughs> Who belongs in these freshly hallowed halls? I don't. I don't want to cross segments here and and or get overly political. But based on what he's done, specifically the day we're recording, Dark Brandon himself canceled all of Ryan's student debt, and for that, <laughs> I'm putting Joe Biden in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. I don't know if anybody's changed. One of our lives as much as that guy just did for Ryan. I thought for sure you were going to say Meatball Ron. <laughs> so, Ryan, I I have looked into this because I was interested. I don't think anybody can take this away from you, buddy. Like, I don't think there's... Well, that's not <laughs> there's, true. There's... I still live my life, and so... Yeah, <laughs> he's going to start going to another useless school real quick. <laughs> it's been kind of a minor story, but that feels like a big thing for, I guess, for some for some people. For some people, maybe after the text thread, some of us went and checked ours and nothing changed. But for I, some is people, that true, it's been I very great. much thought about texting Greg only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was happy for my friend, and that's how I knew I should growth. But, uh, yeah. Mike, you didn't text back in the text feed responding for three hours, so I just assumed your drywall is fucked up in your house right now. <laughs> <laughs> So Joe Biden developing the dark Brandon laser eyes and using them mm-hmm. to extinguish Ryan's debt. You are you're not at least you're not a little concerned about some of the terrible policies from the Trump administration that he's sort of 
promised to get rid of and then has just sort Look, of like I'm a realist. Like, There's no such thing as a good president. <laughs> I guess that's what we say every Rushmore segment. Name right? one. You can't. You can't. You can't name if you try to name a good president, you're gonna say somebody who drone strikes weddings. I was gonna so. scream drones the minute one of you said Obama. Every good president has been killed by a bullet to the head. And if they weren't killed, then they would have done some bullshit that made him a bad president. That's our take. That's our political take. Ryan, do you have somebody with even half the CV that <laughs> Joe Robin Biden has? How about five times the CV, Greg? Whoa. Five-time president? Now with five times the CV. <laughs> I asked AI to write an uh, intro for... <laughs> the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. And here's how it goes. <laughs> it made up some shit. When we were born, we liked comedy and we grew up watching comedy on television boxes. And that comedy turned us into the people that we are today. And that is who makes the Pop Filter Hall of Fame. Yes? Hold for yes, answer. I agree with everything you're saying. And now I'm also slightly concerned that we have the same person. <laughs> uh, I, my person is five people. I believe that the kids oh. in the hall... Should be in the Hall of Fame. This is definitely a Control F one, Ryan. This is definitely like going yeah. to the Hall and using the Control F function that is in the Hall can to see whether or not those gentlemen are there. Can you look at the two busts before this, though? Do you, are you in the Hall right now? No, I'm not. You're you're in the studio, not. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm in the hall. I was talking about how hallowed it is, and how I can smell it, and how long the hallways are. So I but am there. We're but all I'm not in different hallways in the hall. We can admit. Yeah, I'm not going to stay in the same hallway as Mike anymore. <laughs> Sorry, guys, it's too long. Get your dick out of that jar, bro. Uh, and also, to be fair, I said it the minute I walked into the hall. <laughs> Just <laughs> seems like a long one. Oh crap, we're out of here. <laughs> uh, the last two inductees to the Hall of Fame, aside from cranberries. Uh, <laughs> are Phil Hartman and Stephen Root. So I would like to keep this news radio train going by electing oh, nice. Dave Foley, uh, Kevin McCulloch, Bruce McCulloch, Kevin McDonald, uh, Scott <laughs> Thompson, <laughs> and the other one. Did you guys watch their comeback show? I did, and yeah. it was amazing. I, it was so much was better good, than it had right? any uh, chance of being. They still got it. I wish they had stuck with the original cast instead of whoever these old guys are, but they, <laughs> as an institution, the show still has it. Man, these are old men. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, like I, I look at them and I'm just like, this means you're old too, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're old men in that way. We're like, you know how you're skinny, you still have an eighty pound gut, right? <laughs> but they still got it. They're still funny. It's a great choice and probably waltzing in what with the the Biden. <laughs> what? Um, I am no nothing. Just. It's just it's this hallway talk, Mike. You stick to where you are, bud. Here's a jar, Mike. the set of my urine. <laughs> Powerful stream. Uh, I thought you were going with uh, the guy I'm going to pick because you mentioned the the being kids, uh, and our relationship with this performer starts all the way back in 1991 when he was on In Living Color, and also on Rock, and. Also, a little bit on Living Single, and also on Moesha. And then, so we thought, okay, so this is who this, this guy is. He's like a, a, a star of these comedies we like when we were kids. But then he was Willie Beeman in Any Given Sunday. <laughs> Wait, and is that the quarterback that keeps the ladies cold creaming? Cold mm -hmm. creaming. Cold I, I don't creaming. like that phrase. 
Yeah, you know, you got to deal with it. It's part of it. You don't like it, but you just keep your so- you soldier on, don't you? Hey, Mike, let's um, have you become a superstar quarterback, and then you release your first single, and we'll look at the lyrics on that one. Okay? Yeah, how about that? How about that, Mike? Uh, he was uh, he was in Ray. He played Ray in the movie Ray. Uh, he was in Collateral, a movie that I've been meaning to watch for ten years. Um, he was Electro. And several Honestly, movies? Collater- Collateral came out in 2004. That means I've been meaning to watch Collateral for almost 20 years. <laughs> Just moving that on your to-do list from day to day. <laughs> I look over at my copy of Collateral any day now, buddy. He was uh, uh, playing the same character. He was somehow the worst part of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and one of the best parts of Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. That's honestly... Range. That, I think what, it, what a big <laughs> he part can of do it actually, all. What gets him the the vote is obviously amazing in Django Unchained, amazing in in Ray, um, but I, I feel like the Spider Man movie could have not worked if not for him. Like I thought he he brought the right energy, he was cohesive, he tied everyone together. He's the best looking of any of the people to reprise their roles. They all made me feel kids in the hall old. <laughs> he made me feel like there's still some spark of. We're youth all in young, me. and he did all this while having an amazing singing voice. Uh, he was on Gold Digger. He was on a few other songs. And he just out of nowhere, like six months ago, revealed that he can do the perfect Donald Trump impression. Yeah, outside like, of uh, that SNL kid, yes. Austin Donald Austin, uh, uh, yes. or whatever his name is, uh, has the best. Like, I just, I, I'm not sure. And we should let everybody know that this is Greg's episode of Fox News. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not sure that there's a talent he does not have. Right. So this is Jamie Winks rules. Actor, producer, <laughs> writer singer songwriter he's had health issues recently but it sounds like he's bounced back in a in of a course big way. he has it's that's his talent or you can't outfox the fox got us all um, heavily in debt in sports gambling for mgm oh instead of taking away Bets. debt he added debt yeah <laughs> the reverse biden some are calling him <laughs> the reverse biden let's start with the president of the United States of America. The Commander-in-Chief, Joseph R. Biden. Mike, do you vote for Joe Biden again? And that R stands for Robindale? Robinette. 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 I'm sorry. my Mine was too manly. I've been calling him Robin, but it's, yeah, it's Robinette. <laughs> it's the tinier Robin. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much Robin for me. Do you have a smaller one? I vote yay for Joseph Robinette Biden, a.k.a. Okay, interesting. Interesting. That's that a bummer for me. Greg. Not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> what am I misreading? What's happening? Ryan, do you vote for Joseph R. Biden? Um, I, I I do believe that Mike is right. There is no such thing as a good president. Um, to just how about one who just like without even saying anything to you just erases your debt? <laughs> and no, I should love him for that, but I'm gonna vote no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's his. Yes. That's it. That's his whole thing, right? Doesn't matter what he does. We're still gonna be like, uh. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm going. I'm going to vote no. I don't want uh, your life. <laughs> I don't want your life. Uh, up next, Ryan. The kids in the hall. Do you vote for your own entry? The kids in the hall. I mean, I feel like that if uh, you threw like a early or mid '90s Conan into a pan with the kids in the hall and like a sprinkle of bugs bunny then you would create the three of us that's how funny i think we are i wish i'd never started this sentence but my point is that like they're very um, important to us so yes 
All right. I'm also going to be a yes vote. Mike. This is a big one, Mike. These are the votes I yes, I yes. These are the votes I yes. All right. Very good. Congratulations to the kids in the hall, the kids in our hall. <gasps> That's right. I'm going to pee they next to them. They have made it. They have made it in. Uh, I am a yes vote for Jamie Foxx, probably uh, more talented than anybody we currently have in the hall. Currently ailing might really help him in his recovery to know that there's people out there thinking about him on his favorite podcast. So I'm a yes, obviously, Ryan. Uh, you're a human being. You have a heart. So I'm guessing yes. I wonder, Greg, if you had, if you had waited till he died, this would have been easier. He's, dude, at this rate, that's gonna be fifty, sixty years. I swear, we'll die guy, first. He'll outlive death us is gonna, all. Death is gonna show up. He's gonna challenge him to a chess match, and it's gonna be like, you play chess, and he's like, not that much. I'm too good at it for it really to be interesting to me. Not to push this to insane levels, but I can't believe that Jamie Foxx isn't a terrible asshole, and I haven't heard anything like that because he's so bored. Because the rest of the people on the planet are so <laughs> inferior to him. Yeah, dude. I'm a yes. Don't any of you want to be as good at one thing as I am at all <laughs> things? Which, Ooh. as a catchphrase, Jamie, that's 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 harsh. Uh, it's a little it's a little upsetting when he says, "Through me, all things are possible." Uh-huh. <laughs> that's too much. Um, Mike, you're out of votes. Oh no. Uh, so yeah, he's very talented. He's great, but for the Hall of Fame is people who help me make who i am as a kid or as a, I, I, I like him what about in living color wanda rock i don't know what rock is so maybe oh, that's where he lost you don't know what charles rock s is? Dutton, Dutton is out there as a garbage man oh sometimes doing gosh. live shows and you don't even know who he is get is, some culture is this Seriously. where we remember our age difference because normally it's hard to tell get a little bit of culture it, th- i would say that rock is uh more important to the show than the rock both the Michael Definitely. Bay movie okay. and Dwayne Johnson. You're being crazy. I would it's agree the with rock. that. Well, you know what? That we we court controversy on this show, and the Hall of Fame really brings it out. Uh, I think we said a few things that we'll never be able to take back, but we'll just forget about that. Congratulations uh, to Ryan. Congratulations to you. Thank you. And uh, I want to say, watch out, Maura Tierney, Andy Dick, and Joe Rogan, because. Yes. <laughs> Especially Joe Rogan. Um, I don't know if you followed his career after he left that show, but he's been up to some pretty interesting Yeah, making things. people eat bugs. Love that. And then I fell <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get into it. Between next time. news radio and his current ruining of uh, young American males, he had a whole career <laughs> as the host of Fear Factor. He really did. Like That's like a whole like eight-year period of that, his life. That is the white version of Jamie Foxx. He's also good at a bunch of stuff, but it's all horrific, terrible things <laughs> bad for everybody. <laughs> Famey jocks. Congratulations to kids in the hall. When we come back, one final segment about Westworld. A broke Yul Brenner took a part in a low-budget B-movie and created an iconic character. Do we think other filmmakers took note of the gunslinger and let me just say can we give it up for yule brenner in this movie i i feel some moody's coming on i don't know if westworld based on our conversation is going to be nominated for that many moody's at the end of the season which is i believe six and a half years from now but i can see yule brenner is like sometimes this is all you need from a movie you know sometimes like you do have to sit through what we have called pap but if you get this one indelible image of like just this fucking guy who like i see i mean he's the reason right like he's the reason yeah. why this movie is even known remembered by anybody ever right to, to quote k- people who were kids eight years ago 
Yul Brenner understood the assignment. When <laughs> he's a fucking dumb dweeb goofus in the beginning who's pretending to be scary. And well, then by hello the end, there, he, pilgrims. You talk too also, much, boy. His being a robot. Spilt your drink. It's very subtle, but it's obvious that he's a robot. Uh-huh. I think that the movie has a hard time with, or the director has a hard time with telling people how robots act, and it changes right, from scene yes. to scene. But I think that it's very possible that his phoning it in created an iconic character. <laughs> like the, the fact that he did not give a fuck about this movie, almost in sort of like a Alec Guinness way, which sort of created uh-huh. this like stoic. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm going to take over the sci-fi movie and I'm going to become iconic. Uh, not giving a fuck is robotic. And I think that him coming in there and sort of and the Magnificent Seven, all of that stuff definitely helps. Right. Because we're playing on nostalgia and we're, we're being iconic and whatever. But like him coming in there and hitting not just the whole every time I'm a guy in a bar, I meet this guy I want to kill and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to handle it. But. I think really what we're getting to is the whole Jaws alien Terminator Jason Voorhees of it all of just he will never fucking whatever your past is that you haven't dealt with men who will go to Westworld instead of go to therapy. Yul Brenner is always fucking there. He forces you to deal with that past or run away uh, and doing it while holding his belt, which is never scary or intimidating, but somehow is when he does it. I have to say this movie, it tries to be scary and like, I don't know that it ever gets there, but there's one shot of, like, a monitor, and he's just walking across it holding his belt. And I swear, for that one brief moment, it actually is scary. There's something about the way he's holding onto his belt uh-huh. buckle. Like, he won't run. He's At that point, he's decided not to run. He's just going to mosey right. after this guy. That, and, I mean, like, uh, that is that became such a integral part of horror movies in the late 70s and 80s of like they aren't fast you know there there were zombies before this and i guess you could compare him to that but but with zombies there's a lot of zombies there's like almost no movie where it's like one person has to deal with one zombie right right? easy movie so this is like the the fact that he will not stop and i guess in a sense that's maybe what Crichton was trying to do with like the last 45 minutes of the movie was Mm. like i'm gonna make the audience feel what it would really be like to be pursued slowly, but nonstop. And, or like it follows, you know, like is the ultimate yes, version yeah, of Westworld. Yeah. And it, uh, one of the, I don't want to like do revisionist history or teach Crichton how to make movies, but one of the bummers is that he, uh, Dickie Benjamin comes upon a guy, a Westworld worker employee who is trying to fix mm-hmm. his car to get the fuck out of there. Yes. And that guy has, he's like, you'll never kill him unless you do A or B. I mean, you can always do those. And they had int- they had introduced this like uh, 30 minutes earlier by saying that in the medieval world, oh, um, the Black Knight is you know weak on his left side, and then they right. type that into the computer, blah, blah, blah. So we know that there are weaknesses. But how much scarier would the movie have been if there wasn't that, like, I'm playing... Just use acid. Also, here's a table full of acid. Right. If I'm playing Legend of Monkey or Secret of Monkey Island, and there isn't these people who just expositionally give you hints and you just knew that you were dead you're not making it out of there but we're gonna watch you die that that would be scarier and then this is like maybe it's picking too many nits but and so many movies do versions of this why would you give the robot who should never actually try to kill people infrared hunter vision that he will never (laughs) actually need 
Why? Why will you make your dinosaur be able to turn invisible at a theme park where all you want to do is have people be able to see your dinosaur, Jurassic World? <laughs> but Yule Brenner, Ryan, you say it's like a sort of insouciance, a sort of like not caring about the movie. Possibly. I didn't I don't read I didn't read that or anything, but like Yeah, but it really did birth a whole like genre of of bad guys. Anton Chigurh even like yeah. Anton Chigurh is a human and has this thing that I don't think would have happened if the Coen brothers never watched Westworld. Right. And so in a way he becomes like the sort of enduring legacy of the movie, but is it his choice or do we, should we give Crichton some credit since we're laying so many, so much at his feet? I mean, we can say whatever we want with no information. So I, I think that I love that about us. <laughs> I mean, Joel Brenner's other famous characters and the most famous character is the King of Siam from the King and I are very, Haha, boisterous. Like, yeah, let's right. do this. And and even Chris from the Magnificent Seven, who this plays off of, is very emotive and compared to this guy. Right. And so, like, the the absolutely, hey, don't do anything. If you're doing anything, you're doing too much. Mm-hmm. That is either, Yul Brenner is fucking drunk, and by <laughs> all, this is all we can do to keep him on the set, or Michael Crichton making some decisions. Right. Do less, do less, do less. But... He carries an excitement with him and a, and a real interest that I think helps the movie out. And, and I just, it's not. Ryan. It's not. Ju- sorry, it's not just that. Like he won't stop. It's. I think it's going back to the when we were talking about masculinity. It's it's every dude's fear of just having somebody intimidating come into the bar that you're in. You know, and what are you going to do? And Yul Brenner, doing nothing is so much more intimidating than you thinking that you're in some sort of fantasy land with guns that can kill people, you're still intimidated by him. You know, if, if we knew that the rules were that robots can't do anything back, there's no stakes, that, then that's fine. It has to be Yul Brenner's presence that then becomes yeah, intimidating, right. where Richard Benjamin has to wait outside the door in the second death of Yul Brenner and jump in right at the right time, knowing that he can only kill him and Yul Brenner can't hurt him back. He's still like, oh my God, oh my God, he's in there. Yeah. That has to work, and that is coming through with the performance. Is there a level on which the fact that they're using Yul Brenner as a broken down <laughs> gunfighter who is being disrespected? Is there like Are a we doing some Kubrick Cruise things? Yeah, like, I mean, it, because, like, this is kind of a humiliating experience for him, and that's supposed, like, that really is mirrored by what that robot is going through. He could kill, and that robot could kill anybody. Well, but he is subjected to being killed by just these absolute greenhorns. Mm-hmm. They they offered it to other people first. Like, Clint Eastwood turned this down, probably because of this. Again, yeah. not having read anything, but because he's he like, drags I drags a woman into a barn, and then the audience <laughs> watches him ravage her. All right, Clint. Just settle down. I'm thinking what? of. No, you're you're a robot, so you won't want to do it. Never mind. I'm gonna be in another movie. Then. <laughs> I'll see you later. I got a thing to write down. Just such a, this is just such a good idea. I can't wait. What if instead of put on celluloid Westworld, it was called Clint Eastworld? <laughs> you should think about that. What would Eastworld be like, Mike? What would what would be some of the attractions we could see at Eastworld? At Clint Eastworld? No, just Eastworld. If it's just like all the fun of the of the East Coast for people that are on the West Coast. Oh, so it's not the Man. West versus the East. This is West Coast versus East Coast. This you are gonna get the fattest, softest pretzels right off of a cart, and the okay. smell the smell is so good. Just a robot right robot coming up to you and saying like, "Hey, you fucking missed your shift at Dunkin' Donuts. You better fucking yeah. get there." That Here's fucking a pack robot of cigarettes. <laughs> Every <laughs> diner is just grandmas forcing their grandchildren to breathe in their smoke. Uh, 
if you're Just dressed like in streets of people saying to each other, "I'm walking here." Yeah, if you're dressed like Santa, all the robots start whipping batteries right at your head. <laughs> God. But it's every, also every East Coast city has its own version of a terrible person. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's it's confusing for the robots because in the in the Philly part of East World, uh, if a robot walks down the street and its job is to make friends and hug people. Uh, it will just get stomped on, and so all of the robots are stomping on each other the whole time. Do you guys? I, we probably talked about this on the podcast before, but do you guys remember that um, that like robot that was supposed to travel that, across yeah, the country? <laughs> robot? That, that, that is exactly but, what I was just referencing. Okay, and it got to Philly and just got the shit kicked. Yeah, <laughs> somebody just beat it up. People it in Philly from, were like, like "Hey, we got to kick the shit out of something tonight." The, the robots like, "I'm here to make friends." <laughs> boom! 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 <laughs> together anything is possible and is it you know what that sound means it is time for the lightning round and for not interrupting me what is it about amusement parks that scares michael Crichton so much lines are long people are the shittiest there's pressure that you're supposed to have so much fun because you spent so much money to be there and it's actually really always the hottest place in the world oh the sun only shines on fucking amusement (laughs) parks and you know what uh tiktok has taught me or reminded me of from being a kid uh, when you uh, went to an amusement park with in high school with like your girlfriend or boyfriend and uh, standing in line, you would just hang on each other the entire yeah, time. Yes. Why did we do that? Oh, because we were young and in love and so tiny. No. Standing's hard. At any point, the government could launch a nuke on every amusement park, and that'd be totally fine. <laughs> Liar! You love roller coasters, you bitch. Yeah, I hate gatherings. What, does, what if anything does Westworld add to the human robot conversation? I honestly, I legit, like, I sometimes will find myself apologizing to Siri. Like, I do think that when the robot takeover happens, I'm going to be a pleasant, polite boy. <laughs> yeah, same here, dude. Because of Westworld? I, I'll hit Siri with a thank you. Yeah. I, it, yeah. It's, it's just like, otherwise, I just, so many robot stories are like, well, I am, you know, uh, overmanaged or whatever in my day life, so I'm going to treat this robot like shit. That's never going to be me. Those are the people that kick their dogs. <laughs> uh, why start with a commercial? What was the effect of starting with a, a commercial? And why would they make that choice? I, I think it is to, one, exposition. You got to get this out real quick and the writing isn't solid enough to do it. And two, to be like, this is actually about greed. You think it's about robots. Yeah. This is about monies and corporations. It's about monies. Yeah, it, it was. Monies. I did read that it was added after the fact. And it's such during a what, Ryan? Post? During a nineteen seventy three writer's strike. What? Yep. God. Time is a flat circle. Um, this is prologue. But uh, yeah, it, uh, like and it's it's a perfect like the reason it works is because it works, you know? Like I think that like it's it's easy and obvious, but also yeah, like we get to see that the we get to make be made feel like we get to feel like it's a real company. It like gets us in the world faster than if it was just like Dino DNA little guy. <laughs> in the is the film's tagline Westworld, where nothing can possibly go wrong. One of the greatest of all time, or the greatest of all time. It's nothing can go wrong. Yep. It, look at the poster. That's you might think it says wrong, but hilarious. it says wrong. No, yep. that's the greatest. <laughs> that's my new tattoo. That is amazing. <laughs> I, and, uh, it might not be as good as possibly go wrong. Possibly go wrong. <laughs> oh, that's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. <laughs> Man, that's when you're like, okay, could you take me back to the mainland? Because once one thing goes. <laughs> yeah. But that is, that's, I almost feel like, is that clever or is that like too clever? 
it, worn. It's probably too clever. It's they laughed and nobody got it. So many people for decades read that poster and well, were just like, yeah, nothing could go wrong. Plus, there's, yeah, there's the whole thing where your eyes switch to make yeah. things right. So yeah, we're we're the first three people who discovered that there was <laughs> might have been playing a bit of a joke on themselves there. When we come back, we're gonna give this movie all the awards. Awards. We all want them, but some of us never get them. Never even once. Why, Daddy, why? <laughs> I want an award. But that's not what we're here to talk about. No, it is. Awards is exactly what we are here to talk about. Less about your daddy and more about awards and daddy. I could, <laughs> I could stand to hear a little more. <laughs> Mike, Go let on, me there. see both your hands, please. <laughs> You're wonderful. I'm a robot. Oh, no, he's a human. Isn't it all dumb that like they could master everything? Just don't make the hands like that. It's AI rules, man. Robots aren't good at hands. I didn't <laughs> notice what was wrong with the hands. They had little ridges. Yeah, my hands have ripped ridges. for your pleasure. Is the way yeah. they made the robot hands. Honestly, dude. Yeah, I um, I just love like we perfected the cowboy western prostitute mouth and vagina. Just can't figure out these hands. I know. Like, think of how complicated those systems are. But they can't do hands, and the problem is that they have little ridges. Take the ridges off. Hey, no, take the ridges off. Can't do that. All right. Let's give this steaming pile of crap. <laughs> Best some ridges. Awards. Let's go. Let's start with pound for pound. Ryan, who do you think gives the pound for pound best performance here? Now, technically, Richard Benjamin is the star. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. so to give him He's the, the award final boy would be the the obvious choice. Would be so. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out something crazy, guys. I'm gonna give it to Yul Brenner, who I wow. think did the best. Yeah. So surprising. Man, yeah. Pound for pound, right? Even though he's not in the movie as much he's as not, the hero, he right. still could be. I legit think that Richard Benjamin did do a good job. I was expecting I love Richard Benjamin. Yeah, he like I was expecting job. to like hate him and just him being like sort of closer to the medieval guy. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But no, he was root forable and awesome and I wish that maybe he could have made things work with his family. Uh, <laughs> Julie! I'm gonna have to, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Joel Brenner. That part where he's like the guy's like, you're never going to make it. And he looks right in the camera, and he's like, yes, I will. <laughs> that was awesome, dude. And I just All wish right. the camera held on a little bit. And the other guy was like, how? <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Uh, I'm going to – you know who's on screen even less, so his pounds mattered even more? Uh, okay. Dick Van Patten, who is oh. the dork who walks in with them and is there to highlight, like, oh, you think these guys look a little cool? This is how yeah. everybody actually looks. Look at this fucking dingus. And uh, he's like, I want to be the sheriff, and like fumbles with the door. I loved yeah. this guy. He give us some. He gives us some Travis Bickle, where he's just in the mirror, saying, yes. talking to me, and like throwing his gun out. And, and also shoots the mirror. He didn't. That I mean, that was like comical. But once he became sheriff, he did an okay job. Like, well, they been weren't making fun the of him after that. for so long. That's true. <laughs> but I have to give it to my boy Ryan and Yul Brenner. Um. How about director's signature? <laughs> Mike, what is the director's signature in here, I, you think? And, Mike, I, this is, let's be honest, your favorite filmmaker of all time. So Yes, his TV movie I loved, the six TV movies he made after this I loved. Uh, and I tried it. I was like, okay, you can't do writer's signature moment. So uh, I'm going to guess the new thing that they made. Not guess. I'm saying. This is my opinion. Yeah. I'm not guessing <laughs> my opinion. Are you asking me or are you telling me? Uh, the pixel vision that, like, Blew yeah. the door wide open and showed that Crichton is interested in in pushing technology forward and partially was shown here. 
Can you can you explain this real quick? Because we didn't talk about this. It, it's so we once they give uh, Yul Brenner, who again is designed to never actually kill anybody, killer robot predator vision. We start to see through his eyes, and everything is a grid, and it it is he sees infrared, so he can see where Richard Benjamin has walked. Uh, he can see he can if he lo- focuses enough, he can see the difference between Richard Benjamin and a hot rock. Uh, and so yeah, he can see it gives him predator vision, and this. Was I don't think Predator Vision would exist without this. It's an actual digital shot, too, yes. right? Like the first ever digital shot. And it sucks because it's the first one. It's but it, it kind shot, of is, yeah. it's a nice marrying of the technology, which sucks, with uh, the robot's <laughs> eyes, which are also supposed to suck. All right. I love that, Ryan. Uh, I am going to go with what I think he thought was going to be his thing before he realized what his thing would be. And that is the bar fight. I think that. He really poured his heart and soul. And, like, this is a lot of where the movie started. Of, like, yes. I watch these westerns. I know these westerns. And I think that they are too silly to be taken seriously and way too serious to not be analyzed. And all of that sort of came together in this one moment. It is also – signature doesn't mean good. Right. No. It's in al- either case, yeah. It's also far too long. <laughs> There's yeah. far too much going on. And I think that's an aspect of what he learned on this movie as well. But the whole, like, I'm going to – I'm going to come up with a premise so that I can tackle these certain things is, I think, kind of Crichton-y. Yes. I'm going to give this one to Mike because I really – I like that he – the first digital shot ever, everybody. Very cool. Again, Um, this this movie is spring training for so many cool things that (laughs) will come later. Dude, I have to say, during the bar fight, it it does go on too long. But during the bar fight, you're like, I don't know. People say this movie's boring, but I don't think it's that boring. You don't know yet. You don't know. <laughs> you're, not to the, you're not to the boring part of yeah, the movie. Right now, yet. you're just the Benny Hill portion of the movie. <laughs> uh, the movies of 73 are going to make us cringe so violently that we're going to get little tummy aches. Um, but how did this movie do in that category, Ryan? I, I, I honestly thought that like it really handled white men well it really put them in their place and so much of like being woke or not woke comes from that like do you understand how terrible white men are uh so i'm sure that i will have a lot to complain about throughout the season but for right now i'm going to go with the medieval times guy uh who before the tournament he was going to have dinner he was really hungry found just a random turkey leg on a plate and then picked something (laughs) off of it and then ate it are you fucking kidding me right now you're supposed to be the king of this realm and you can't and i know everybody's dead but, like, you're going to pick some coleslaw off a fucking turkey leg and then just that, that was on somebody else's plate and you're going to put it in your goddamn mouth, you foot-sucking fucking monster. <laughs> All right, Mike, what do you think? Uh, when RB at the end, he there's a girl tortured in medieval times and he saves her and then he gives her water and she sparks at him. Uh, we get it. You can't tell. Fuck you, movie. Fuck you, Crichton. It was so yeah. stupid. Was it? <laughs> was it Yul Brenner pounding shots? Yes. Yes. They're all drinking the entire time. <laughs> the idea that pouring a little water into her mouth, like it, it's so well, unearned. The Medieval so Times weird. robots have different rules than Westworld. I just Some love of these are new robots. Some Richard Benjamin is the old. is always like this dad though. We're like something sparks. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he's definitely like a hero oh. of a movie. Oh, oh no. Oh. Oof. Fantastic. You said he's wonderful. Spicy. Ooh. Spicy rum. Rum by fruity. Not a centennial man at all. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to give that one to Mike again. Yeah, because that's just so unearned, random, and weird. And it's delivered to the audience like, yeah, what do you think of this? And it's like, I don't know. There's no context <laughs> yeah. that I can understand this. What? In. I don't know. <laughs> 
What could right. I think of this? And more importantly, why would I think of this? <laughs> I don't I care. I felt like there's so many times during the movie where he's just like, I bet somebody could make something of this. And it's like, well, do you have a point? <laughs> yeah. Well, not as such. No. <laughs> do you, you know do? what it is? You know what it is? Is it's a writer saying, "Oh, the director will figure this out." <laughs> uh, <laughs> ah, shit! <laughs> Screw that guy. <laughs> All right, let's get to the movie-specific award. So the first one is "Add a World." Add a world to Westworld, Mike. What world should we add? This might be cutting too much to like the bone of what the movie is about, but I would do Thing World, where you go okay. in and you you're in a an Ar- Antarctic base and you don't know who oh. else is the thing. And Holy the whole shit. time you're just stuck out there and like just like amp it up. I think that would be legit so a life fun. or death game of mafia. Yes, I think that would be a lot of fun. But now especially I thought, because I think all of us would think at first it's not real life or death, and then of course it is. <laughs> uh, I thought you meant you get to be a member of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Thing world, <laughs> you get to be the Old worst blue eyes. of all time. Hey, <laughs> do you think Aunt Petunia would be okay with you saying that? Did you no, try to I, say that kind of trash on Delancey Street and you see Yancey, what happens? Yeah, it's Yancey Street. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I said the real street. Yes. On Yancey Street. Ryan, um, what do you think? What world would you add? I, you know, I wanted to think of like uh, something funny and stupid like Porno Land or uh, Thing Land, but I didn't want to be that dumb. So Ouch. I thought Das Boot Land. Let's okay. get on a fucking submarine and let's go through some shit together. And I know there's you some stuff in the news. the worst experiences <laughs> of all time. Because we're men and we want to prove that fun. we're manly. <laughs> I want to be eaten by the thing. And uh, also, I would uh, recommend real quick that if there's a little alien that could shapeshift on a submarine in Das Boot <gasps> Thing Land, that, that would be oh. the best. Dude, that's the perfect movie right there. I'm scared right now. <laughs> um, I thought about it too hard. I do think that they should just have a separate sex land. I, if I want to go to the cowboy land, I don't want you in the other room yeah. having sex with a prostitute. Okay, let's just have, let's put all the, do you think this is this, the, this is from the seventies when they were trying to have high culture and porn at the same time. Mm. No, those have to be separated. You go to a movie theater to watch either a film or a porno. You don't want to see them both at the same time. Come on. And you run back and forth between the two theaters. Yes. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Do you think all the, the smells and flavors are period piece accurate? <laughs> Would this movie what have been flavors? better if it was in 4D? <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> I am going to give that one to Mike, because I really like that, uh, that, that idea. Blew me away. I do uh, like that how me and Mike had no choice because of our rotted brains. To pick movies we have recently <laughs> reviewed on Just movie the movies. To be fair to us, I also was like, I'm not going to say any fucking culture. Yeah. Is it one of these? Come on. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know what I think would be really nice? Uh, I think the the big thing that they missed that the show picked up on was that Samurai Land is, is something that you would yeah. really want. Um, especially I don't, maybe at the time, uh, like not the general audience of moviegoers knew how big like samurai movies would be um but certainly filmmakers did and so i think that would have would have made sense but it also would have added a lot to the budget which they were not going to do if you choose to go to samurai world like that's the thing about westerns and samurai movies if you like western movies have made westerns look awesome so you want to go if you choose to go to samurai world you have never seen a fucking samurai movie in your entire life (laughs) like that's so much more realistic revisionist samurai exactly dude um Ryan, this next award is Time You Were Most Reminded of Jurassic Park. When in this film were you 
most reminded of Jurassic Park. Uh, we already touched upon it. I do think that it's the cross of where technophobia affects, or just tech in general affects capitalism. And I think it's the meeting of the, the coats, the white coats in the boardroom saying, well, we don't need to shut it down. And somebody yeah. else saying, like, literally every person who has a degree, who is smart, says that we should. And then there's one guy, usually a fat cat, uh, with a <laughs> suit and a cigar saying, well, we don't need to. Uh, Perhaps human life is worth less than dollar bills, <laughs> gentlemen. Oh, shit. Did if I say that out loud? If one person had just stood up and been like, but if there's a huge accident, it might actually cost the company money. Everyone would have been like, oh, wait, hold on. Oh, we don't want that. We can't have it costing money. No, 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 no. But, like, <laughs> how do you not see that coming? Why Why is it always quarterly? It should be you like. Know, you know what happens? I'll tell you exactly what happens, Ryan, because the, the, the sequel to this movie should be the executives at Delos getting fired and each getting $20 million bonuses. <laughs> mm-hmm. So as individuals, they do profit off of this. Right. The company persists and then says, we fired the people that did this. We're going to be better. We promise. Delos, we've made a lot of changes around here and we want to earn your respect back. And so it's just like the, just the, the thing just moves on. The cycle of bullshit. Mike, when were you most reminded of Jurassic Park, my man? It's unfortunately the same moment. It's the technicians being like, uh, there are problems. And the other guys being like, nah, everything's fine because money. I'm and they not paid. trying to hear that, see? <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, here's what we'll do. We won't accept I've new got people a for a while, but we're locking this shit down. Let's lock this shit down. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a perfect moment. Um, how about uh, a Jurassic Park moment that really would have helped is if they bl- brought in one of those Velociraptors since they know how to open doors. Yeah. Bing, boom, <laughs> bam, and that's the award segment, everybody. Stick around as we say who won this show and if we think Westworld has what it takes to be our 1973 movie of the year. All right, we are here at the end of the show, and it's time to declare a winner. A lot of good points made. A lot of funny jokes. A lot of good times. Mike, you got 31 points. Serviceable. It's not bad. It's a good, it's a yeoman-like score. Ouch. Ryan, 34 points. You are my best friend, and you are the winner of the Worst World Show. Ryan, I think that that means uh, canonically that you like this movie the most, (laughs) and it's your favorite. Don't put that shit on me. Um... How do we think this movie, now that we have talked about it, like gentlemen, we've talked about all its individual parts. Hmm, interesting. Cowboys, I see. Hmm. Uh, Now that it is all said and done, how do we think this movie is going to do in the bracket? There's a million different reasons why doing a eight movie show, or season rather, is different than a 16 uh, movie season like we're doing right now. And one of them is like, in an eight movie season, if one of them is kind of like less than three stars as a movie, like, well, fuck, we fucked up, like... We didn't get it right. You know, we wasted an opportunity. With 16 movies, I do think that, like, we could put in movies that we know aren't, are guaranteed not to win. Yeah. Right. And still, like, we want the flavor. We want the genre. We want to see what, you know, because, uh, you know, social commentary is always covered up by genre. So yes. fuck, the, fuck the Western part. Fuck the robot part. Let's see what we were thinking about dudes and women and class and race and all of that stuff. So... I am so, so glad that we did this movie. That being said, it's in the, I would say, bottom three worst movies we've ever done on the show. Yes. 
But now we all get to be like, you know, Terminator was actually based on Yul Brenner's gunslinger character. At every party we go to, regardless <laughs> of the topic that's being talked about. And Both? Arnold liked him so much, he tried to be the gunslinger in a rebooted Westworld in the early 2000s. Do you know what I saw the other day online? A classic memed picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger, just massive guy, massive body, standing in between Andre the Giant and Wilt Chamberlain. Have you guys ever seen that? Teeny tiny. And he looks like a tiny little boy. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen Shaquille O'Neal standing next to Yao Ming? (laughs) No. That is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Because Shaquille O'Neal looks like, Yao Ming looks like he must be a big dude. And Shaq looks like he's probably just an average sized dude. (laughs) And I've never seen that before. Yeah, this is context, right? This is providing (laughs) us with context. This is going to help us to understand the other movies. Because there was a moment watching this movie where I was like, we don't usually talk about movies this bad or this bland, really, more than anything else. Like, this kind of just, like, gray. But it is going to help us understand the good movies of 73, don't you think, Mike? Y- yeah. It will be like, okay, so you can't just say all movies of 73 were trash. Uh, <laughs> you can see what else was out there. And and I bet a lot of the themes they're dealing with will be dealt with better. In other Are you movies. excited, Mike, for next week where you watch your second movie of 1973 to see what I- they're... I'm, I'm very much excited. Uh, so mm, they made more movies. Uh, no, sorry, I, I was unfocused because I was trying to think of what other bad movies you watched. Uh, I think comparable, but so much better. But I could see somebody having not seen either of them being like, well, you guys did Death Race 2000. Fuck you, guy. No way. Death, oh, Race 2000 Death Race 2000 slaps. is so much better. If anything, uh, Death Race 2000 shows how much this movie fucking sucks. Because right. that has even less of a budget, is more interesting, is more coherent. More like, commentary. That's, yeah. that's how a B-movie rules. Uh, maybe Rollerball. Oh, roller! Oh, uh, also boring, man. I tell you, I in the seventies, if it was sci-fi, it was going to be cheap and just really, really boring. I think you were supposed to go hook up with somebody. While you know these what's weird? On. What's weird about these seventies sci-fi movies is it's sort of the same as like Marvel and Star Wars movies of today. In that, all right, we have this, we have this budget. Uh, we're going to divide it all between three scenes, and the rest of it, <laughs> yeah. just shoot whatever that we can, just to get to the runtime. Um, <laughs> my two, I. I Rollerball is up there. Yeah. But the two that I thought of were Adam's Family and American Beauty. <laughs> Those okay. are American Beauty is the is definitely like that. I think that I think that's like has the raspberry for the worst. But Adam's Family is so much more entertaining than this movie. Fuck you. And at least has like the kind of sheen sex of appeal childhood. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. You said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really are. I mean, we are in the we are in we are in 73. Like, uh, psychoanalysis and the, the Freudian way of evaluating is in the culture and is especially has turned its lens, like, a hyper-focus on movies. And so the sort of combination of those two things would be at home in the 73 season. So, yeah, we are bidding farewell to Westworld. We're glad that we watched it. I'm glad that we got through the whole show without just talking about how James Brolin is Christian Bale before Christian Bale. I mean, uh, it's next- obvious. It's like it's the eyes and the nose and the mouth. And the cheeks and the chin and the hair. Yes. But it's really the eyebrows. It's the the eyebrows, dude. Yeah. Um, Clearly, there's some very interesting story that we're not going to get to (laughs) feel. We're never going to get to hear about James Brolin and a circus performer. Christian Bale's mom is really a circus performer uh, who got together one night and made one of our generation's better actors. Did you know Christian Bale's stepmom is Gloria Steinem? I did know that. That's fucked up. It's so interesting, the things that you learn by poking around on the dang old internet. This season still has movies like The Sting, Mean Streets, all coming up. Stick around. 
we are going to have so much fun talking about all those movies. But until then, hey, do me a favor, would you? Keep watching them movies.